everyone. Welcome back to the Love Meets Joy podcast on the Smile Train Podcast Network. I'm Iva Ballou. I was born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. I'm the CEO of Real Sophisticated Joy and a cleft confidence coach. And I'm Ashley Barber. I was also born with a bilateral cleft lip and palate. I'm the creator of Cleft Love, and by day I work as a teacher consultant with students who have hearing loss. And today we're discussing all things beauty, lipstick, and confidence. So Iva, before we jump into it, how are things going? What you been up to? Oh my gosh. My skin has decided to betray me. So I don't know oh, about no. you, Ashley. I don't know. I've never had acne. I've never, that was like the one thing that I was always very thankful for. But I turned 30 and we're in it now and I can play tic-tac-toe on my skin right now. And I don't know what's going on with that. Oh. Um, so that's what's going on in mind, but I think it's oh. very that that's happening as we have this episode coming up today. Um, as we said, today's episode is all about beauty, and I know for me, when I think about like when I first really started thinking about beauty and everything, I go back to playing in my mother's makeup. Mm, I did that too. Yes, like I was that little girl who, especially. When I was younger, I really, we've talked about before, I did not have like an image that I could look up to, like, oh, that I had, I saw myself. So I had my mother and, you know, I thought that she was Mm. so pretty and I wanted to play in her makeup and I wanted to look like her. And it would be so funny because she'd be like, Iva, are you playing in my makeup? No, clearly got blue eyeshadow all over, (laughs) big over, (laughs) (laughs) lipstick everywhere. But I just wanted to feel pretty um, because, yes. you know, but what about you? Like, how was, like, did you play uh, makeup growing up or anything like that? I totally did. Yeah, mm-hmm. I did play in my mom's makeup. And I remember getting, like, kids makeup when I was mm-hmm. a, yes. growing up, too. Like, yes. at Christmas, I would get, like, kids makeup that, you the, know. The little eyeshadow palettes and stuff. Very, yes, an eyeshadow <laughs> palette. There was, like, lip gloss that was different mm-hmm. colors. And I always loved playing in that. Um, but I was only allowed to wear it at home and I wasn't allowed to wear makeup out and about Mm -hmm. until I was 15. I had fun playing in makeup, but I had a lot of other interests other than makeup until I grew up a little bit. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Totally. I was the same. Uh, I couldn't really wear makeup, makeup, no red lipstick, no red nail polish. That was a Mm. big thing. Um, I remember- Oh, nail polish too. I was allowed to wear nail polish. Mm -hmm. I remember, I think I was, I probably was around 15 when I first got like my first set of like acrylic nails. And that was a real big thing because, you know, I had to really work for that. But I think also part of it was because going into school, you just wanted to feel pretty. And I don't know yeah. about you, Ashley, but you know, I actually started school technically a year earlier than I should have. So I was always- Ah, uh, me too. See? So I was always like a year behind where I was, or ahead where I was supposed to yeah. be. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> when is your birthday? So mine is in September. It's the end of September, September 26th. And yours is November, right? No, December 1st. December, December 1st, that's right. Yeah, and December 1st is the cutoff to get into kindergarten. And I remember my preschool teachers sort of talking with my parents about the pros and cons. And they were like, we think she's ready to go on, but she's very young. So I started school when I was four. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, kind of continued throughout 
all of my schooling. And so when I started college, I was actually 17 and I didn't turn 18 until December, my freshman year, which was pretty wild. We could have a whole other conversation about that because I was the same way. We have to talk, we'll have to talk about that. Yeah. I kind of wonder if, you know, it, it sort of ties in with Mm-hmm. how my parents maybe protected me because I was so young. And then you mm-hmm. add in the cleft component and everything. I feel yeah. like just a lot of my life, they were very overprotective. I, I think having me be sort of medically fragile in the yeah. beginning mm-hmm. and then just being young, it was always much harder to sort of let go of the reins. I don't know. Did you experience that? Or is that kind of what you think? So my father, I would say, did a better job of like masking it on the outside. Like he would push me, even though I know mm. that he was a little bit more afraid. But my mother, mm. bless her, she, she had that same sense of I'm mama bear. I have to protect my baby. That sense of like, I want to just I want to shield you. And I like how you said, like, you know, medically fragile. Even yes. sometimes of like putting me out there sometimes. Like I would be like, oh, I can do it. I can do it. And she's like, no, you can't. No, you can't. And it's like, yes, I can. Yes. But that's just, I think, mama bear protectiveness. Yes. And all moms have to be protective, right? Mm -hmm. But my mom tells the story of before I had any treatment, she took me Mm -hmm. to a store. And Mm -hmm. I think it was soon after I was born. It was one of our first outings. And she just felt like it was me and her against the world because, you know, if anybody would look at me weird, she would just like look at them back. My mom's real sassy. And so um, oh no, she just really like get on it. So she, that protectiveness carried on throughout my childhood. I just found out that our moms are also going to be friends. My mother did the same, except <laughs> she slapped me on the counter of a honey baked ham store and was like, this is my baby. <laughs> so we are definitely going to have to have our sassy moms come on and tell about their stories because yeah. I don't even know. But that was where I think I, I learned like the, the importance of makeup and trying to blend in like for me Mm. my wanting to wear makeup and to wear the lipstick and everything was just because I wanted to have some sense of normalcy and trying to maybe cover up not just my cleft I realize now but also some of like my insecurity and the shame that I felt along with it yes I definitely agree with that because I got to a point when I was in high school, I think, that I started, I discovered fashion and Mm -hmm. I started wearing makeup much more. And I felt like if I was able to make myself look the best possible, then it would, you know, hide anything that I didn't like, including my cleft, right? I'd just blend right in with all the other people. Just blend it in. No one would ever know. It's like, like, like you really thought that you were going undercover. Like, yes, you totally did. And What's crazy, though, is it took me a while to get into makeup and fashion. Um, When I was in middle school, Mm -hmm. I was not one of those uh, very super slender, you know, middle school girls that you see. I was one that sort of clung on to my baby fat and didn't hit a growth spurt for quite a while. (laughs) Yeah. And so I had a really hard time fitting into the clothes that were popular. Some of the trends that were popular when I was in middle school are now sort of circling back around. So that was like <sighs> midriff bearing tops and mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I just had a really hard time like fitting super into super low riding things. jeans. 
Oh, I hope those never come back, but everything comes back around, right? If they do, I'm not wearing them. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> but I even remember this one time I was in a uh, choir outside of school and we had to go in to be fitted for our uniforms and for the concert. And I went in and I tried on what I would have normally had for my usual size and it didn't zip up. So my mom was like, okay, it's fine. We'll go get the next size up. And so she got the next size up and it was a little better, but it still didn't fit. And we did this a couple of times. And until I got to a point where literally Mm. none of the uniforms fit, they didn't even have a size that fit me. And it was so hard because it was one of those moments where, again, I wasn't blending in with everyone Mm -hmm. else. Right. So I, I want to hug you for you. I want to hug you for me because I had the same similar experience, except in mine, my friend had to literally, sorry, JCPenney had to rip me out of the dress because it, I couldn't get it off. Um, I couldn't get it off and trying in to, the dressing so, room in the dressing room. Couldn't get it off. Um, because, so my my story is that, you know, I actually develop really early. Matter of fact, um, <laughs> funny story. I actually mm. entered into womanhood on April Fool's Day of, when I was nine years old. To the point oh, wow. that, okay. right? To the point that the next yeah. following year in fifth grade, everybody knew mm. that we were having the talk at, in an assembly because of me. <gasps> oh right? no! Yes, everybody knew it was only because of me, and so again, I can remember feeling like once again I'm not fitting in. Once again, I'm being set apart as yes. other, and I'm singled not, out. I'm singled out. <laughs> but the problem was, mm. I was always very interested in fashion and like I too was like you I yeah my weight was always thick I always had curves yeah and that was back before curves yeah. were in so I just never fit, right now it's a whole different story but at the time I just yeah. never felt like I fit in mm. you said that you were interested in style from a young age and I definitely got there but I think For me, I was able to become more interested and aware of what I was wearing once I, you know, lost a bunch of weight when I was in high school. I think I was a sophomore in high school, maybe. I uh, started dieting and um, I ended up losing uh, about 40 pounds, close to 40 pounds. And I discovered through that that I was able to control what my body looked like based on what I ate. And unfortunately, it turned kind of disordered. But because then I was small enough to fit into Mm -hmm. what was trendy, that sort of allowed me to start wearing a lot of the things that I wanted to wear. And so I think I was able to, again, use that as a way to blend in. And then also I was able to use my eating as a way to sort of sculpt my body in a way that I was never able to sculpt my face. Ashley, every time that we come here, it is like more and more, I feel our synergy, our connection, because I have similar experience, never quite disorder in that way. Um, but I definitely know that there, you know, walking a fine line of body dysmorphia, just not truly mm. seeing my body and that obviously goes in with yeah. my facial difference yes and so I can remember again in 
middle school and high school being up at midnight just trying to like doing some form of mm. exercise because I knew that I actually, actually said it. I was like, I cannot have a cleft and be overweight. That was just my truth. And I know that's harsh to put on myself, but that was truly, I just could not mm. do both. I would really work out and do crazy diets and everything yeah. just trying to. Yeah. And I remember it was right after college. I lost a lot of weight too. And how mm. you said like, that was the time where you felt like, oh, okay, I can really get into fashion now because I can wear some of the yeah. stuff. Yeah. It was a superficial happiness, but I can remember yeah. feeling like, yeah. oh, for one time I can actually might be able to truly blend in with everybody else. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> I also found that eating gave me a bodily autonomy that I yes. never was able mm -hmm. to have when I was a kid. Right. Because, right. you know, a lot of kids you're able to teach, you don't touch my body unless yeah. I want you to and, and all of that. And I was taught that in certain situations. But when you're born with a cleft, I mean, the number of people who come in and stare at you very intimately, like <laughs> up your nose in your mouth with like, you know, and they do it like it's nothing. Yeah. Fingers everywhere. And, and you're just sitting there, right? So you don't get a choice. So I definitely think eating and controlling what I ate gave me a way gave me control over my body in a way that I had never had before. Yeah, that's, that's really what it is, because that's the only thing that we have, especially seeing as how we live in the world where there are kind of like set beauty standards, whether or not we want to admit to them, like everyone kind of falls to them. And so, yes, there are a set standard. Typically it is, you know, tall, slender, small waist, flowing hair, mm. you know, yeah. and facial wise, a symmetric face, because there have been numerous studies mm. about how pretty privilege or how people respond to people who have a more symmetrical face. And so mm -hmm. what do we do for those of us who are have a facial difference? Right. And how do we fit into that beauty standard? Yeah. People in general, but especially being a woman with right. a facial difference. Like how do you, how do we get in and how do we measure up? And it's very hard sometimes because we've mentioned before, neither one of us had someone to look up to, to as a kid, young woman, young teen to say, mm. oh, she has a facial difference and she's beautiful. Okay. Yes. You and I didn't yeah. have that. Yeah, having a woman with a facial difference and being able to see her as a, a standard of beauty would have yeah. given me so much more confidence. Instead, we're just given, you know, Hollywood often uses facial scarring on villains. And so you equate even your own bias becomes... Yes. Facial scars and facial difference equates with scary and evil and bad. The villain. And yes, what does that teach you about how to feel about yourself? And I, yeah, I definitely know what you're saying about the female beauty standard. And mm -hmm. I, I think it starts even when you're super young. It does. Something <laughs> that I have noticed even in some cleft groups mm -hmm. is when a baby boy is born with a cleft, mm -hmm. a lot of the onesies that are sort of marketed or shown <laughs> off their mm -hmm. wearing say chicks dig scars. They do. And I have to say, I mean, it comes from a good place that they do that, right? Like, right. but 
it kind of grinds my gears because there's no reverse saying for girls or women, right? I mean, babies right. shouldn't be sexualized anyway, but like, um, there's nothing that says, you know, yeah. so I've always wanted a shirt or something that says real men dig scars too, or something. I think we should do it. I think we should do it because it's true, but <laughs> you are correct. I have seen, I have seen the onesies and yes, the baby mm. boy is always adorable, but it does kind of say something for, you know, us girls who are born yes. with a cleft. Like, wh- what about us? So once again, it yes. goes back to that. I don't fit in. Where's where's my place? Yes. So true. That kind of leads to, you know, how I've and I've, we talked about this before, is that kind of feeling like you live in two worlds, you know, mm. where you have this standard of beauty and yeah. this is what you're supposed to adhere to. But I was born with a facial difference, so I can't really mm. check that off. But then also right. I'm an African-American woman. So there's this standard of beauty mm. that kind of goes along with it. And I can remember growing up, I actually would think like, would I have liked my cleft more if I was lighter skin? Oh, that's interesting. Like that was always a really a question that I can remember feeling like, like maybe that would make me feel Mm. better about it. And so just trying to figure like, where do I fit in? How do Mm. I fit in? Like um, in certain, because even in the African-American community, you know, cleft is not common. So there might be times where it's like, I don't fit in over here. And just trying to figure out where is my place and what is beautiful and what does beautiful mean to me and how can I feel beautiful on the inside? That was something that was a really Mm. big struggle for me. Uh, So, I mean, that's what we're trying to navigate. Yeah. I'm curious to learn more about how you, you know, what beauty means to you now. And Mm. like, do you feel at this point, because now, you're in your 30s. Mm. Do you feel like you can navigate two worlds in multiple mm. senses successfully now? And is there one world over another that you feel the most comfortable in? That is a great question, Ashley. And I'm actually going to answer it right after the break. We are happy to tell you more about our sponsor, Smile Train. Smile Train pioneered a sustainable model of partnering with local medical professionals in more than 70 countries. In 22 years, it has supported more than 1.5 million safe cleft surgeries, more than all other cleft charities combined. And as many people in our audience know, children born with clefts often need more essential cleft treatments than just surgery. Because their partners provide local year-round care, SmileTrain is also able to fund nutritional support, dental care, orthodontic treatment, speech therapy, and psychosocial support for those who need it. SmileTrain invests in their partners, providing them with the -the state-of-the-art equipment and training they need to make safe and quality care possible for those who need it most. Go to smiletrain.org slash donate slash lovemeetsjoy today and donate $21 a month to make sure that every child with a cleft can receive the care they need whenever they need it. Iva, before the break, I asked you a question and I'm dying to know the answer. Okay. So you mentioned that it was a challenge when you were growing up 
yeah. sort of straddling two different worlds. And mm-hmm. I'm curious now that you're in your 30s and more confident and secure in who you are, is there one world that you feel the most comfortable in? So it's going to sound like a cop out, but it's not. There, I've decided I don't have to live permanently in either one world. I have taken the best mm. of both worlds and I have merged them together. And what you see of me is that is that marriage. You know, there are certain parts mm, of I love that. that. Like I always tell people that one thing that I that I almost kind of love sounds weird that of my cleft is it gave me grit. It gave me resiliency. It gave me yes. determination. But also that's also a part of the African American culture. So why can't I marriage that together? Why can't I fit in that? And so I love that. Part of what the like real sophisticated joy or the confidence was me deciding that I'm gonna make my beauty standard for what it means for me. And the moment that I did that, things became so much easier. And it's funny because, as you said, I spent 30 years of feeling like I didn't fit in and I wasn't pretty. And now, yes, if you ask me, I I think I'm pretty. I think I'm gorgeous. Not on a bragging way, but it's just I know where I fit Mm. in for myself. And that is beautiful for me. So... Yes, you found your worthiness that's been there the whole time. I found my worthiness. I found my joy. I got into it. I tapped into it. And that's what it is. And so, Ashley, I want to know about you. Like, So how are you filling out or living into your beauty standards? So we've talked repeatedly about this idea of camouflage Mm -hmm. and blending in. And I do think sometimes... There are days when I still struggle with that sometimes where I want to always present the absolute best version of myself because I'm afraid if I'm too vulnerable, Mm -hmm. then it won't be pleasing. But on the whole, I really sort of adhere to that cheesy saying, like, why blend in when you were born to stand out? I love cheese. I love cheese. Keep it up. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Like, we... In a lot of ways, we're given such a gift, you know, yes. like, like you said, it's, it gave you, your cleft gave you resilience and strength. And I a hundred percent believe that if I was not born with a cleft, I would not be the person that I am today. I wouldn't have the empathy. Same. Oh, I say that all the time. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't have the same empathy. And in fact, I, I have no idea who I would be without mm-hmm. it, but I have a feeling that this is the better version. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And something else you, you said, like, you don't like the mess of vulnerability, but think about it. Yeah. A Sunday, an ice cream Sunday, the sweet spot of an ice cream Sunday, it's messy. Let's be messy. It's okay. Let's it's, be messy. I, you know, and I'm trying to give myself more grace and more yes. resilience and I'm, I'm getting better as things go on. So it's just some days that I have a hard time, right? <laughs> so I, I just want to like be transparent that it's yeah. not perfect every single day, but I've come a long way, baby, you know, very proud of you, very a long proud. way. So I am curious mm-hmm. because this also ties in with what we've been talking about Yes, that we as cleft affected people have sort of a, an interesting journey with beauty because yeah. we undergo reconstructive surgery from a very young age. And while 
a lot of those surgeries, a majority of the reason why we get them is a functional reason. There is also a cosmetic Mm -hmm. portion to the surgeries as well. And I, I know that you and I have a lot of similar feelings and I'm curious if you ever found it hard to stop doing more surgeries or would you still do more or how did you know when you were quote unquote done? So it's funny. I actually had someone say that to me literally yesterday. Like they just impromptu decided to ask me, do you think you'll have another surgeries? Your face looks kind of funny in videos. And I was just like, was it a friend or like an internet stranger? It was an internet stranger. Like they were, they were like, yeah, they were like, I like the real, but have you ever thought? And I was like, thank you for liking the real, whatever. (laughs) But how I knew that I, you know, because it's always one thing to theorize and talk about something, but to be a practitioner of something is another. And in that moment, I realized like, I really am a practitioner because I, there's nothing more for me to fix how I feel about myself. And that's when you know when it's time to stop. For the audience listening, if you are still on that journey, I want to be the person who lets you know we're never going to be perfect. None of us is going to be Mm. perfect. Even the the biggest celebrity you can think of, they're going to have some type of insecurity that they're going through or something that they feel that bothers them. So Mm. you just have to make sure that you are grounded in yourself and make sure to invite Mm. love and joy into your cleft journey. And I think that will give you your answer of like when to finish surgeries. Yeah. So to the person listening, no more surgeries. (laughs) Well, I am going to actually say that that is a very personal choice because when I was 17, typically when you are a late teenager, that's when you sort of get your more cosmetic rhinoplasty, right? Your nose job. Mm -hmm. And... When I was 17, I was done with surgeries. I was yeah. I was done. I didn't want to do any more. And I was good. And yeah. I spent the next decade plus a few years loving myself right. to the best of my ability and being okay with it. But then right before my 30th birthday, I started thinking, you know, maybe I kind of want to look into that. And Mm -hmm. I really kind of struggled with that decision because I didn't know if that meant that the last 15 years of me feeling confident in how I looked was a lie. Uh, Okay. Yeah. And I really had to come to terms with the fact that it it wasn't and that we're always calling this a journey and it truly is. Mm -hmm. And your feelings might change throughout it. And that's okay. So I did end up doing the rhinoplasty uh, soon after I turned 30. And I am so happy with the results. Good. But like, I remember thinking that that was going to be the one thing that, you know, fixed it all, right? Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and made me perfect. And I realized after that surgery that there just wasn't it, it wasn't perfect. It was it was different. It was perhaps improved, if that's what you want to say. But it it, it wasn't. It wasn't this earth shattering. Oh, I'm a whole new person. Yes. No, it's none of that. It's, yeah, yeah. The the 
heavens didn't open up like no <laughs> angels were singing nope. like i thought that they would be nope. um there was no like harps like nope. and just... so i really had to come to terms with the fact that it's an inside job and your confidence is an inside job and there are certain if you're at a place where you feel like getting another surgery is going to help you get to that confidence great but also keeping in mind that a lot of it is internal work too. So be prepared to do that as well. That what you just said, like, whew, that was a word. You got to make sure that you're ready to do the work because it is, it's just work. All right. All right. This has been a lot of heavy stuff. Let's, let's get <laughs> back to the fun stuff. Let's, let's liven it up. So we could not talk about fashion and beauty and confidence without talking about makeup. Yes, for sure. And for me particularly, it is my love of lipstick. And ah. I, I was gifted this love from my mother. So my mother mm. being who she is, audience, you might we, we might actually be having a chance for you guys to talk to our moms. <laughs> One of my favorite stories of my mother is when my brother was born. And mm. this woman just pushed out her son but before she would allow him to come see her mind you it's a brand new <laughs> baby an infant she pulled, yeah. an infant like just fresh out of the womb she would not let the nurses bring him in until she put on lipstick my mother has always <laughs> said that no matter what if you put on lipstick you will feel better and i can remember as a little mm. girl thinking that she was absurd like how is lipstick especially being with the club like that's not gonna change anything but as I got older yeah and I started mm. really being intentional and wearing lipstick and I would find that you know what it does make me feel better it does kind of put a little bit of confidence into me and it's like those little cheat codes that you can do to kind of make yes. you feel confident I'm gonna yeah. find find little ways to make me feel confident so for sure now I love lipstick and I love the makeup so what about you I played with lipstick when I was a kid mm -hmm. but when I became more aware of the fact that I was supposed to like highlight my best features, quote mm -hmm. unquote, right? right? I didn't wear it, right? Mm -hmm. I would just maybe lip gloss, but okay. no color. And I actually remember I was in a wedding and I was getting my makeup done before the wedding. And mm -hmm. I remember the makeup artist looking at me and she goes, which do you want to highlight, your eyes or your lips? And I looked at her like, are you insane? <laughs> Which one do you think I want to highlight? <laughs> See, like she might have been genuine. She might have been so genuine. I think she was. See? Yes. So I was like uh definitely my eyes because I have really big eyes people mm -hmm. can't see that right now but they're pretty big and so they're easy to play up and so I had her do that and then I don't know maybe in my late 20s mm -hmm. I decided to just give it a go I mm -hmm. think and I remember I loved it I loved being able to change the colors yes I, it just sort of tied everything all together I love wearing kind of crazy colored lipstick. It's been a while with the masks that I've been able to actually use my whole lipstick collection. But yeah, like I just think it's so fun. I remember when I started wearing it, I had mm -hmm. a non-cleft affected friend 
say, man, I love that you wear lipstick all the time. It makes me want to wear lipstick. And I was like, all right then. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, it definitely gives me a lot of confidence. It does. But when I was a kid, I remember my pediatrician telling my mom something I might want to do when I get older in order to make my lips, uh, because my upper lip is pretty thin, Mm -hmm. uh, is I might want to overline them. Do you overline your lips? No. I don't either. I just follow my normal line. Yeah, I just follow normally. So, And for me, even overlining wouldn't do anything because the Mm. way that mine is cleft is, it's more so like... If you really look at my lips, they're like one side is fuller. So overlining wouldn't do much. Um, But if you like, I think what some people do is they mm -hmm. would like make the other side fuller to match. Uh, no. Because first off, I would be so concerned that I do it wrong or that it looks wonky. I know. And and everyone can tell that it's just overdrawn. Like, I have no idea how people do that. (laughs) Because I've seen on Instagram when people have done that, and I see how they do it. I'm just like, wow, that is real commitment. No. I know. No. Like, what if it rubs off part of the way? Like, it could just be a mess. So do you have, like, any other like makeup tricks that you may do? So I actually do not. Mm. I know some cleft affected people who are skilled with concealer and foundation cover up their scars if they're Mm. more prominent. Yeah, I've heard that. I have never done that, but I also am not a big foundation wearer. You said earlier in the podcast today that you've always had great skin and I have not. I started breaking out when I was probably in the fourth grade and really, it didn't stop until I was in my twenties. Yeah. And so I have, um, I'm like, I just have very oily skin and I think it's just like a genetic ethnicity related thing. So part of having um, very oily skin as I also have very large pores. Yeah. And so I have never found a foundation that doesn't just sink into them. And I remember asking maybe a surgeon once, mm. I think it was when I was going in for my rhinoplasty and I asked, or he was worried about my skin. I don't know, being too thick. Elasticity, you think? Yeah. Okay. No, no. he was like worried that my skin was too thick because I have big pores and, um, that my skin would be too thick to see minor changes underneath, like when really? they did the rhinoplasty. Um, also, there's a joke buried somewhere in there about me having thick skin, right? Like, okay. um, I think okay. all of us <laughs> okay. born with cleft have thick skin. You right? have to. You have to. You can't. <laughs> you have to. So I was like, yes, I do have thick skin. Um, yeah, but I just have never... Um, I, I've never been able to wear... Do you wear foundation? No, because no. you said your skin is really yeah. Thin. You just have really great skin. I look, well, not right now. Right now you can play tic-tac-toe on it. But normally <laughs> it is just concealer. Normally I am ah. just a concealer. It's, and also living in Florida, I was not about to be with a whole bunch of makeup. It's going to come right yes. off. It's going to come right off. It can off. feel real thick for yes. sure. I've had so much fun talking to you about makeup and all this fun stuff. Cause I know we get into some kind of deep stuff sometimes. We do, but that's needed. It, you know, it's needed it, a little balance, right? Mm-hmm. Just like the journey, there are so many highs and lows. So Absolutely. I love that we can talk about it all, you know? Yes. But 
We've reached the end of our episode, and now it's time for our favorite segment that yes. we like to call Smile and Slay, where okay. we talk about questions that we've received from friends and family. So our question of the day, are you ready, Iva? I'm ready. Give it to me. <laughs> our question of the day is, I've mm-hmm. seen some cleft-affected people have pursued permanent makeup in order to make their lips look more symmetrical. Is that something you would ever consider? I don't know if it is because I'm cleft affected. I'm really good at sizing up symmetry. And Mm. I have to say no, all because it's permanent. And if it doesn't come out right, you can't undo it. (laughs) You can't undo it. So true. And I would be mortified. And then also to Ashley's point, as she said earlier in the episode, 10 years from now, I may change and I may not want that. And it's Mm, permanent. Yes. For that reason, for myself, no, I would never, not even my eyebrows. You wouldn't get a microbladed? Mm -mm, No. Typically what I do is I get my eyebrows threaded and then tinted. And that lasts me about two, two weeks, two to three weeks. So, and I've been going to her for years. That's my girl. Mm. I can do that. (laughs) What about you? Yeah, yeah. I've definitely heard that tinting is good. I think I would do microblading, but I would also be too scared to have my like permanent makeup put on my lips or to have my scars tattooed to make them less noticeable. Because what if something happens? What if someone makes a mistake? And I know it's semi-permanent, so it's not as permanent as like the Mm -hmm. ink in a tattoo, but it's still permanent. And I, I don't think I would do that. I would... Consider it's not uh, permanent makeup, but I I have considered doing lip fillers before okay. just to yes. add fullness to my top lip. But which I do know a lot of cleft affected women do that, and so yes. you know, again, I totally support that if that's going to, especially if it's going to enhance your confidence. And I love yes. when I see the you know see their posts. And yes, that's something that's discussed. So there's always that option. But that's our show for today, guys. If you you want to show us your lipstick, go ahead and send that over. Or if you like mm, nose to the permanent cert, to the permanent makeup or permanent anything, let us know. Or yes, please. <laughs> yes, please. That's true. Yes, please. And you can, <laughs> that's our show for today. And you can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Real Sophisticated Joy. And you can find me, Ashley, on Instagram at CleftLoveIG and on TikTok at CleftLove. And don't forget to go to SmileTrain.org to learn more about all the wonderful things SmileTrain is doing for the cleft community around the world. You can find us on your favorite podcast streaming site. And while you're there, please don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. Bye, guys. If you like this show, be sure to subscribe, leave a review, follow us on social, and tell all of your friends to listen. Questions or episode ideas? Email us at lovemeetsjoy at smiletrain.org. We can't wait to hear from you. Love Meets Joy is a product of Smile Train. Our hosts are Iva Ballou and Ashley Barber. Our senior producer and editor is Ariel Nachman. Our Smile Train producer is Adina Lesher. Love Meets Joy is presented by Smile Train, the world's largest cleft-focused organization. One in 700 babies is born with a cleft, a potentially life-threatening birth difference that can cause difficulties eating, breathing, hearing, and speaking. The good news? 
SmileTrain developed a sustainable model that empowers local healthcare workers around the world to provide life-saving cleft treatment to all who need it everywhere on earth, 100% free. Learn more at SmileTrain.org. The information provided in these recordings is meant to be helpful to you and is provided as is for informational purposes only. SmileTrain cannot guarantee it is accurate, up-to-date, or error-free. We are not responsible for the content and disclaim all liability concerning actions taken or not taken based on these recordings.